everyone, welcome to Studio RC, an encouragement for your faith as well as your recovery. My name is Pastor Max. I am an alcoholic and want to encourage you uh, through this podcast. And we're so glad that you're here. We're going to start examining the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is a, just gives us a lot of examples and the, the, the fruit itself very much correlates to many of the things that we seek and hope to find in our recovery. So each week we'll look at a different fruit. We'll begin with an overview and then take on each fruit each week. This beginning will be the same each week and then we'll go right into the fruit that we're going to examine. And this will take us multiple weeks over the next month and a half or so uh, as we examine the fruit each week. Let me start out with the scripture. The fruit of the Spirit comes from the Bible verse verses from Galatians 5, 22 to 23. Now let me read these to you, and this is where we get the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, now, forbearance is also known as patience or long-suffering, but in the NIV it says forbearance. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there are no law. There is no law. Let me read that one more time, and this is, comes from Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And uh, this was written in a letter by Paul to the Galatians. And he was, in this uh, letter, he was talking about freedom and the freedom that comes from knowing Jesus. What's very interesting about the fruit of the Spirit is these items are things we need to be produced in us to come out of us. We talk about so often, you know, in step one about being powerless, and then we have a higher power, God, who comes in and fills that, that void of powerlessness. That, that same relationship is how the fruit of the Spirit gets produced in us. We need the Spirit to produce these fruit so that we can truly extend them to others. When we have things like love, joy, and peace, they're not things that we've created. They're things that the, the Spirit has created in us and goes through us, which I think is very interesting. I think we sometimes really try to take these on ourselves. So without further ado, we're going to do a timer just like we did in our previous uh, RC Values uh, series. And that seemed to work really well. And we'll, we'll, we'll get each week. Um, I'll have 12 minutes to talk about the particular fruit of that particular week and how it coordinates both with our faith and recovery. And with that, we'll go to our next installment of our looks at the fruit of the spirit for Studio RC. We have made it to the end today. This episode, we have come to our final fruit of the Spirit, the ninth fruit. And so, um, and ironically, it is the fruit of self-control. And the reason I say it's ironic is I feel a greater burden to be within the 12 minutes 
than any other time before. I want to exhibit self-control in my teaching and in my uh, presentation on self-control. I don't know if those are un unrealistic expectations, but let's let's see. I guess it's time for the last time in this particular series on the fruit of the spirit that we're going to put the 12 minutes up there and let's see what happens. <laughs> Self-control. It's the last of the fruit of the spirit. Imagine a small child throwing a tantrum complete with throwing toys and shrieking um, when they don't want what you know they to, they're not getting what they want and they're throwing their if you fast forward and you look at that child later on if they were continuing to do that that would show a lack of self-control what self-control it, it literally means control over self over the self um it's it's not complicated um it's about resisting the temptation especially as a person of faith to break god's laws which are god's laws excuse me which include um losing our temper the apostle paul writes about bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. In other words, bring every thought under Jesus and bring every thought under the mindset of Jesus. It tells us that in 2 Corinthians 10.5. Our thoughts lead to action, and this includes controlling ourselves completely despite uh, the pulls of so many different temptations in life. And, and that's, that's where we're going to start with this ninth fruit that's mentioned in Galatians 5, self-control. The word self-control is only found eight different times uh, in the Bible. And it's only in the New Testament. It's not in the Hebrew Scriptures, that the Old Testament at all. Um, making it, in many ways, probably the most unique attribute of the Spirit, the Spirit's fruit that are listed in, in this uh, Galatians 5 list. The dictionary says self-control is described as restraint exercised over one's impulses, emotions, or desires. E. <laughs> impulses, emotions, and desires. Um, many of us as addicts and alcoholics may struggle with that, or at least have struggled with that, which is why we need that fruit produced into in us by the spirit it is in essence being as god created us to be made in his image when we are able to exercise our you know restraint over those impulses god has emotions but is not controlled by them um that's uh kurt landry said that and i kind of god has emotions but is not controlled by them are we there have been many situations in my life, absolutely. And when I was drinking and using, my emotions always led, always showed me the way to go. Um, in regards to this, the main key is that self-control allows us to walk in alignment with God. It allows us to um, 
reflect God's goodness. Self-control, it's interesting. As a fruit of the Spirit, in some ways it's a bit of a paradox. How can the ability to control oneself be the result of being controlled by someone else? Let that sink in. I'm going to control myself because I'm being controlled by someone else. How does that work? Um, Romans 6 tells us, you know, unbelievers are slaves to sin. Our sinful nature, it, it in some way predetermines us to choose selfish, harmful behaviors. Um, and our fallen world aids this process, encourages us in that process. But the believer, the person of faith, is able to pull away from the, de the determinant of their sinful nature and make truly independent choices. That is the first step of self-control. I'm able to take myself out of the temptations, out of some of the things surrounding me, and I'm going to make an independent choice. I'm not going to choose just what the crowd chooses. The, the, the freed self, being free, has choices to make. That's what comes with freedom, that independence to make choices. And we find that the, the range of choices have broadened. Instead of choosing one sin over another, uh, the, the new person in faith, the new person in Jesus can make choices based on their, our love for God. And it's rooted in the wisdom of God. It's rooted in the word of God. A decision made in freedom of self-control will do what it can to ensure future freedom. So when I make a choice in self-control, part of that, that choice is positioning me to continue to be free as I go forward. Whenever we follow unhealthy appetites or uh, sin patterns, we're limiting the options in the future. Our sin is, is, is cutting off options and some of our freedom. It's, it's positioning and sometimes putting us in, the in a corner. But, but self-control is saying, no, as I make this decision, I'm going to remain free in Jesus. It's going gonna, it's gonna to allow me as I go forward to continue to have freedom. A sinful act is just another, another step down, basically a dead-end road. I'm going like I'm going to hit the wall. There, there, there's no other outcome of sin but to hit the 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 wall. The harder it gets, the further we go down this road, the harder it gets to make independent choices in the future because we're we're defending the things that we've done. We're we're trying to fortify um, a lie or the sin or protect and a decision made in freedom is the opposite. We are best served and we're even most free when we use self-control. Self-control to submit to Jesus. His word brings life. Christ allows us to be what we were designed to be. To display the glory we were created with. The ability to say no to fleshly lusts and desire and live in moderation, wise constraint. Indulging in sin enslaves and destroys us. We need look no further than our addiction uh, to, to see that. Self-control frees us.
to live for Christ. It gives us that freedom. It positions us for future freedom. Now, as we are people of faith, we don't become a Christian on our own. And we can't grow on our own. Again, we need that higher power, that thing that's outside of us, that, that God to come in, whether it's through the, the Spirit or as we're Jesus, the Father, like all those things that we, that we need those things. Philippians 2.13 says, It is God who is at work in you, both to will and work for his good pleasure. Like God's working in us for God's glory, not for our own, not for my own. Self-control may be also sometimes known as temperance. Do you remember the temperance movement? It was the, the self-control movement over alcohol. So the temperance movement is the ability to control oneself. It's interesting because the thought is, in regards to alcohol, the, the, the population said people can't control themselves, so we need temperance or self-control. Uh, moderation, constraint, the ability to say no to our baser desires and fleshly lusts. And interestingly, the approach was unless we remove alcohol at that particular time, people won't be able to do it. One of the proofs of God's working in our lives is the ability to control our thoughts, our words, and our actions. It's not that we're naturally weak-willed, I always laugh at that when somebody says that an addict or an alcoholic is weak-willed. I know that they really don't know many addicts or alcoholics because we're some of the most strong-willed people in the world. But our fallen nature is under the influence of sin. The Bible calls it being a slave to sin. Our definition of sin is, is uh, filling a legitimate need through illegitimate means. Whoo! A sin is filling a legitimate need, the desire to be loved, desire to have joy, the desire to, you know, through illegitimate means. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, we're incapable of knowing and choosing how best to meet our needs. When we're saved by Christ's sacrifice, we are free. That liberty includes, among other things, freedom from sin. It tells us in Romans 6, 6, Our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Now, as the Spirit gives us self-control, we can refuse sin. Lead us from temptation, as we say in the Lord's Prayer. Believers need self-control because the outside world, as well as the internal forces, still attack us still try to put us in harm's way. The devil, the, the, the Satan, the, the, the one who is the, the prince of lies, tells us things and positions things that make it, you know, interesting to contemplate engaging in those things where self-control will cut it off and say, nope, not today. Like a vulnerable city, we must have defenses. A wall around an ancient city was designed to keep the enemy out. Now, at, in ancient cities, they also had judges at the gate who determined who should be allowed in and who should remain outside. And then the, the soldiers and the gates enforced these decisions. In our lives, these defenses might include avoiding close relationship with... Um, 
with sinners or maybe instead of sinners like we probably aren't going to go hang out back at the crack house or with our drug dealer it might mean not hanging out in the bars anymore uh meeting with uh other believers other people of faith other people in recovery is encouraging that whether the big book tells us that and the, the scriptures do as well meditating on the life-giving word of god reading our basic texts in recovery we don't exhibit self-control if we continually daily <coughs> excuse me and continually engage with that which would enslave us the the old adage we don't keep going to we don't keep hanging out at the barber and not expect to get a haircut self-control it naturally leads to perseverance it tells us that in second peter 1 6 um, as we value the long-term good instead of the instant gratification of this world self-control is a gift that frees us again freedom is so attached to self-control when it seems like the control is the opposite of freedom but it actually by exhibiting self-control it positions us for freedom today and going forward it frees us to enjoy the benefits of a, a healthy body it, 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 it frees us to be to rest in the security of good stewardship stewardship it frees us from a guilty conscience self-control restricts the indulgence of our foolish desires we find that li the the liberty to love and live as we were meant to do that's truly freedom now i know that i've gone over i've gone over i have not demonstrated self-control but i, I want to just close with a couple items because th this is such a great topic as all the fruits are um the very concept of self-control implies a battle between a divided self. It, it implies that our self produce, produces desires we should not satisfy, but instead control. We should deny ourselves and take up our cross daily, Jesus says. To follow him daily, our self produces desires that should be denied or controlled. Those, those feelings, although real, are not always true. I don't feel loved today. That doesn't mean that we're not loved. The path that leads to heaven, it, they tell us, is narrow. And many have fallen along the way. Jesus says, strive to enter through the narrow door, the narrow gate. Luke 13, 24. Jesus in Matthew eleven twelve 12 says, The kingdom of heaven have, has suffered violence, and violent take it by force. Are you laying hold of the kingdom fiercely? Hmm. Are you t laying hold of the kingdom fiercely? Paul says that Christians exercise self-control like the Greek athletes. Our own goal is eternal, not temporal, not of this world. He says, I discipline my body and keep it under control. Self-control is saying no to sinful desires, um, especially when they'll hurt us. You say no by faith uh, in regards to the things that tempt us. But the difference, there's a difference between worldly self-control and godly self-control. And I think that sometimes we try to do worldly self-control but in the end 
The difference between worldly self-control and godly is who will get the glory for the victory? Will we get the glory or will Jesus get the glory? When we, we celebrate an anniversary and people th- you know, chalk it up to self-control, have we done it? Or did God do it through us? Who gets the glory? The fundamental to the Christian view of self-control is it's a gift. One to be celebrated. One to be acknowledged. One to be thanked for. Um, I, I'm going to go through. There are so many examples of self-control in the Bible. David and Saul, he, had, he could take revenge on Saul, but he didn't. Uh, Joseph and Potiphar's wife, he, Joseph showed uh, self-control by, by resisting the advances. Jesus in the wilderness showed self-control by resisting the devil's temptation. Daniel and his friends showed self-control by refusing to eat the king's food and wine. Paul, with the thorn in his flesh, accepted self-control by accepting that thorn. Job experiencing uh, tremendous suffering, losing his possessions, but he did not curse God. Those are just a few of the the many examples of self-control. I will exhibit further self-control. I've got more notes and so much more to say on this. This is a great topic um, and one I want to continue to grow in, one that I want to continue to to learn in. I love that self-control brings future freedom. I hope that this has encouraged you as well to dive into the scriptures, to see how self-control, the examples, how, how Jesus uh, used self-control during, his, you know, how he was patient with his disciples, even when they exhibited unbelief, or he was patient and gentle with revealing himself to the sinful Samaritan woman at the well. Jesus continued to show self-control. Um, I, I'm going to, I'll end with one of my favorite Russian proverbs. Um, I might have shared this proverb before, and honestly, it's the only Russian proverb I know. But you can either, a hammer can either forge steel or break glass. Jesus always had the hammer of truth on his side. But he always forged steel. He never broke glass. He never had delicate people where he shattered them. He always built them up. He showed self-control. He had truth on his side. He had truth on his side against us, and he could have blown us up. He could have shattered us, but he didn't. He showed, he exhibited so many of the different fruit. But one of those was self-control. He controlled himself when he knew he had truth on his side. But he always built up. I, th- I am so thankful that we have a loving and faithful God. And I thank Jesus that he is the one who he says he is. I thank you. I'm going to close down our self-control on that. And I thank you for all that, uh, this whole journey that you've come on. If you if this is your first one, go back there. There are eight other uh, episodes on Fruit of the Spirit. 
And this is, this is the last one. I thank you for coming on this journey with me. And hopefully it was encouraging. Hopefully you, you've jumped into the scriptures and seen how the, the fruit of the spirit can inform part of your recovery as well as your faith. I thank you for being a part of Studio RC and this journey. We encourage you to like the, the video, subscribe to the, the podcast, share it with friends. Um, help others to engage in this content. Hopefully it's life-giving and maybe even life-changing. So we thank you. And uh, we just remind you, 12 steps, one goal. God bless.